Hey, it's Kayla, producer of the Love Anyway podcast. I'm popping in from our regular podcast schedule to invite you to something special we're doing here at Preemptive Love. The episode you're about to hear takes you behind the scenes of the Love Anyway tour that took place last fall. We were planning to share this immersive, encouraging episode with you later this year to go along with a new Love Anyway tour across the United States. But because of COVID-19, our spring tour is going online, and it's happening now. We're hitting the road virtually to reinforce what holds us together across the distance. I want to personally invite you to join Jeremy and Jessica Courtney and friends from around the world for the Spring Love Anyway Tour. So as you're listening to this special episode, make a note to get to loveanyway.com slash tour. That's loveanyway.com slash tour to book your seat now. Here's the show. This idea that's become really clear to us over the last decade plus is that war begins in our heads, in our hearts, long before it reaches our hands, long before it looks like bullets and bombs and destruction. Welcome back to the Love Anyway podcast. I'm Erin Wilson, Preemptive Love Senior Field Editor in Iraq. In Season 4, we're exploring the idea to end war. We label ourselves and each other to decide who's in, who's out, who's like us, who's not, who's safe, and who isn't. But this kind of division leads to violence. Violence leads to war. We've seen it, we've lived it, and we know there's another way. Today, we're diving in to look at the Love Anyway film, a short documentary we created to explore the ideas around how we can heal what's tearing us apart. We're pulling back the curtain today, letting you in on some of the conversations that happened before and during the making of the film. Even though we are more connected than ever, we're living in a divided world. In order to know who's on our side, we label ourselves. Muslim, feminist. White, conservative. Transgender man. I'm Indian, 100% Indian. <laughs> but we also label those who are different to justify our fear. People do feel comfortable with like throwing Jewish stereotypes in your face. More people assume things about you by the way you look than by getting to know you. I've been called a terrorist, Islamic I've been called Osama bin Laden's daughter, which is like not very creative. But this division isn't just happening on the internet. And it isn't new. Brother has fought against brother, neighbor against neighbor, which leads to whole communities being destroyed. There is another way. But that all depends on what you decide to do at the end of this movie. That's the intro to the Love Anyway film. Does the narrator sound familiar? Some of you might recognize her as Frozen's Princess Anna, or maybe Veronica Mars, or The Good Place's Eleanor Shellstrup. But we know her as Kristen Bell, a fellow sojourner on this path of choosing to love anyway and supporter of preemptive love. I feel like 
once you create the we all feel this some of us feel scared when we see the refugee boats once you have that as your peanut butter the jelly can be we have to do this because way before we added the final voiceovers to the love anyway film we had to decide what stories to tell and how all right i'm gonna read this one cold i'm gonna see what we get For a behind-the-scenes look into our storytelling process, we sat down with Chad, who helped produce the film. My name is Chad Clendenin, and I am a producer, animator, editor on the film Love Anyway for Preemptive Love. So when you hear a story and you feel it in your soul and your heart, um, it actually can transform you into changing something in your life and being different. I think with everything going on in the world and I have friends and family on the left and the right politically and you know my my Facebook wall just looks like every opinion you could find in America you're always like what what am I supposed to do with that and I think human nature is to like put up your fist and fight but you see yourself and so many people like putting up their fist and fight and trying to change the other and it's just not working. It's never gotten us anywhere and it's it's not gonna get us anywhere. So the message for me of love anyways is a bit about putting your fist down and it's not about changing the other person, it's about you changing how you treat the other person and how you perceive them. Ben Irwin, our director of communications, played a significant role in shaping the film script and helped to choose which stories made it into the film. My name is Ben, and I'm part of the communications team at Preemptive Love. The film, on the surface, it tells the story of Preemptive Love, how we began, going back to when Jeremy and Jessica, who founded the organization, first moved to Iraq, and and why they did that and what we've experienced through the early days of our organization, through the rise of ISIS and responding to the crisis that that sparked. But it's actually a film to look at the question of what causes war and violence and division. I mean, you see a lot of the external effects of war and you see it in the film, the bullets and the bombs and the destruction, but it's really a film about what's happening underneath the surface. I I just got a message from our composer, John, he's half of the band called The Brilliance, which their music actually inspired a lot of the film. So when we were outlining the film, we were listening to their song, Brother, which is all about uh, loving your enemy. It's this really amazing song. And so we emailed them. They're like, hey, do you guys want to compose this film? You've like already inspired it. So it's been a really amazing um, kind of like working with them as they feel inspired and they've, their music has inspired us in the film because we used a ton of their music in, in the entire film. But uh, yeah, John was just like, I, as I was composing this thing, I've, I've just been crying uh, and feel honored to be able to work on this thing. So I think everyone kind of feels that way with the whole film. It's not just about violence over there. It's about the violence in our own hearts. Yeah, we, we had this idea for the opening of the movie to get a bunch of people who don't on paper should not belong together in the same room or have conversations. People who are politically different, religiously different, culturally different. And we interviewed them by themselves. Then we like sat them down to have a conversation. One conversation that sticks out to me is we, there was this one guy that was, he, he represented himself as a nationalist and was like for immigration reform. 
And then this girl whose dad was deported like 10 years ago and can't get back into the country. And they sat down and had a conversation. My name's Chris. I've lived in LA for about 21 years, but I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Uh, born and raised, lived there until I was 23 and came out here to go to graduate school at UCLA. Liked it so much that I stayed. I teach math and science. I've done it for 18 years. Um, Nicole Rio, I'm here from LA. My parents are from Mexico and I did live there for seven, almost eight years. I think I've always been proud to be an American. Um, what I love about America is that everything is possible, no matter what your background is, or at least that's the ideal. Um, I know it's not perfect, but I think so many different ways America is always making improvements. And I think the proof is that the fact that so many people want to come here. It really is the land of opportunity. Um, so my mom and dad are both immigrants from Mexico. Um, my mom came here legally, like she has a residency, but my dad, um, he crossed the border illegally and they're actually from the same town in Mexico, but they just met here in the, in the States. Um, they got married. Um, they're still married and then when I was 12 years old my dad got deported and from there we went to live to Mexico with him because he got deported so um, just to try to keep the family unit together. It was just this like really sweet moment where like it wasn't about the politics or like whose stance was right it was actually about the humanity in each other's eyes. I, I hope that her family is reunited I hope that you're able to somehow fight this administrative decision. I mean, I know there is a court process. I know that you can appeal. I know that can be long and expensive. And, and, I, I, and I wish it was more um, streamlined and fair. Um, but I think, I think you, need, you need to go through the process. Yeah. I, I would just encourage you to, to, to fight for your case as much as you can um, and, and, and try, to, try to get your dad here. You, you're, you seem like a really good person, you know, like just um, you seem like a really accepting person. I just hope that you know you have a good life with your wife when, she, you. when she comes here and that you guys you know build some, something and that you guys that she never has to have any fears of, of anything while she's here. that she's happy that you guys are happy. Together. Thank you. I appreciate that. So there's something different about these conversations that um, happened when these people sat down. I, I think there's just something about when you're, you know someone's in front of you that you disagree with, but you're looking into their eyes, you actually can have a real conversation that is way different than a lot of the conversations we're having in the world today. So there, there's something about the physicalness of being across from each other that's like, is really important to the process. Like this process cannot happen online. Um, and that's something I really like about the film is it's trying to get us off our phones and off our computers and to look other people um, across the table into the eyes and have a conversation. Another powerful conversation that we only caught a glimpse of in the film was between Marwa and Menachem. I was born in Kirkland, Washington, but I now live in California. Man, I don't know. I'm pretty funny, too, sometimes. I am Circassian. Circassians are an exiled people from the North Caucasus region of Russia. Um, they had a, a they had a war that spanned 100 years, and it was one of the earliest genocides, but it is still unrecognized by the Russian government. 10% um, of our population survived, but within the route of escaping um, our region, only four to 5% survived. So I'm some weird descendant of like 
four or five percent, and that's a lot of pressure. Like, I feel like I'm in survival mode, even though I don't need to be, but I always feel like my grandparents from both sides refuse to die. My name is Menachem, and I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So I am an Orthodox Jew, comedian, I'm a screenwriter, father, husband. Being a Hasidic Jew, um, it's fun to, I like that I look different. So then it kind of like starts a conversation right away. And I feel like nowadays, like conversations are the most important thing. And then right away, like you see me, I look a little bit different, but at the same time I look the same. And if I engage you, then we can go and have a conversation and discuss what it is and what it isn't, um, what I would like to change about it. I come from an insular community and a lot of the older members are also like post-Holocaust, either Holocaust survivors or children of Holocaust survivor, survivors. So they kind of, a lot of them want to retreat from the world and they don't want to give other people a chance because they're scared of getting hurt again. So I think that if we can open up to having more conversations and speaking to people, then we can see that we're really not that much different. And hopefully the world is taking a step towards, you know, being more open-minded and more peaceful. On the surface, Marwa and Menachem don't seem so different. They're both American. They're both funny. They're relatively the same age. And they're both descendants of genocide survivors but there is one very obvious difference between them that you can't see on a podcast. Marwa wears a headscarf. She's Circassian, and she's Muslim. So I need people to understand that Muslims come from pain. Um, they come from occupied lands, and they come from lives that are never built for themselves. They come from uh, dictatorships, and that's something that was out of our control and we're trying to rebuild ourselves. And so as a Muslim first-generation American, it's like trying to exist as a typical American while Americans are telling you to not exist as an American, while your parents are telling you you're losing grasp of who we are. And you're trying to do that as well. And you're also trying to heal what your parents have gone through at the same time. Yeah. It's not easy. When Marwa and Menachem sat down for a conversation, things got emotional. They care deeply and have very different perspectives on politics, on Israel and Palestine, and on a lot of the big issues. But when you bring it back to the personal level, they each find places of openness. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I got mugged, okay? So I got mugged by two young black kids. And then right away, my friends were like, oh my gosh, because there is a lot of, there's still a lot of conflict between the Jews and the blacks in New York, unfortunately. But the first thing was, my friend was like, oh my gosh, do you hate black people? And I was like, why would I? I got mugged by two black guys, but the first two respondents who like helped me and offered me water were two black girls. Then the cops came, one was white, one was black. The EMTs that helped me, one was white, one was black. The doctor that helped me was a black guy. So how could I hate? It's just circumstance. As much hatred is being brewed, there's also love being brewed. And I can say this in my experience that this is the first time in my life that I feel support. Um, like when the travel ban was in its prime and everyone was at the airports, it was, as most American, 
I can't describe the feeling of like your whole life being told you're a terrorist, you're this, you're that, and then all of a sudden, like thousands of people at airports all over America are in support of you. And those happenings are moments that give me hope. Ben Irwin sat in the room in Los Angeles where Chris and Nicole, Marwa and Menachem had a chance to interact. From my office in Iraq, I gave Ben a call to ask him about what it was like to be in the room where it happened. When you put people together who have very different ways of looking at the world or understanding themselves, some really interesting conversations can take place, sometimes some stressful conversations, but also you can start to see a roadmap for what this can look like in my life, how I could do this, how we could. It's very easy to look at kind of the sensationalized story of our work in Iraq, our work in Syria on the front lines of war, and, and to think, well, I could never do that. that. That's great. That's amazing. But that's so far removed from my world. But actually, what's at the core of it is what we're all dealing with, what we're all facing. Connecting past the labels and the fractures, that's what we're all facing. The very best way to start conversations is to do it together. So to launch the film, more than 170 New Yorkers gathered for an intimate screening and conversation with preemptive love founder Jeremy Courtney in Midtown Manhattan. What's going on? Good, see you. you. Okay? Oh, thanks. How do we heal all that's tearing us apart? We stand shoulder to shoulder. We listen. Then we listen some more. We change our own minds and our own posture with a commitment to turn enemies into friends. And sometimes it helps to watch what it was like for others who already made that commitment. That's the music Chad was talking about, the music that provided inspiration during the filmmaking process. Fariza, originally from Tajikistan, had this to say about the film. But after seeing this, it, it just reminds you that there's so much more you can do with your time and resources and helping people that um, sometimes we get immune to what's happening in the world because there's so much. And especially when you live in New York City, there's brokenness around you all the time. And you kind of like, you know, you get immune to it, but maybe there's a way to protect your emotions, but at the same time, reroute them, like do something good with that. Don't let it get into you to, to break you, but actually strengthen you so you can go forward and, and do more. We've had the chance to meet many of you at film screenings across the country and to hear feedback, like when we spoke with Kindy. 
loving your neighbor overseas starts with loving your neighbor here in your own city, in your own community, people that you consider other. Loving that other person here is, and the extension of that is loving other people around the world. And that's, that's a, a small step forward, but a profound step forward in healing what divides us today. Hi, I'm Chispa. I am 17 years old. If you go into the dance floor <laughs> and you're the first person dancing and then someone follows up and then starts dancing and then another person comes up and then starts dancing and then a whole bunch of people just start dancing. It's the same thing with peace as well. Once you're like, you show people about peace and love and everything, then they want to like, they want to be the same as you because they, they look at this person and they're like, wow, this person is doing good things. We should be more like them. So they try to do that and then everyone else tries to do that, and then everyone is peaceful and happy. <laughs> our colleague, Dane Barnett, one of our team out on the film tour, heard feedback from a young viewer in Maryland. The visual content of the Love Anyway film is intended for mature viewers. You know the young people in your life the best, and we recommend the film be previewed before showing it to an audience that includes younger viewers. All right, what is your name, sir? Oliver. I'm eight and I'm in third grade. Awesome, Oliver. What did you think about tonight? I thought it was interesting. It actually made me realize that kids are also very important to this because kids start out with kind of like a blank canvas and they have a choice on how they paint that canvas in what they do with their lives. Are they going to be kind and loving or evil? What do you think a third grader needs to know? What do you wish your friends at school knew? What do you wish they knew about peace? That as long as you, as long as you um, treat other people equally to yourself, you're pretty good to go. In addition to official screenings, there are also more than 800 film showings being hosted in homes around the world. Producer Kayla Craig attended a Love Anyway gathering in a living room in Iowa and captured some reactions to the film. My name is Kelsey Rogers. It surprised me how powerful and how hard of a choice to love anyways can be sometimes, but how strong of a choice it is. I felt really drawn to be a part of the movement. And because of who I am, I am biracial and bisexual, and I kind of exist and the in-between in a lot of areas. And to love anyways just fit so clearly with me wanting the world to be a safer place for myself and wanting that for other people. My name is Sarah Stephanie. Watching the film truly helped me connect all the dots about how this is happening in our country, it's happening in Iowa where I live, and Loving Anyway is something that they have been doing in Iraq, but that we can also do right here too. My name is Molly Day. I really liked how the film kind of went, was global and spoke in scope, but then kind of came back to what's happening in the U.S. right now um, and kind of making sure that we are implementing love anyway in our own community as well as abroad. Um, I think that making sure that we take care of and like love each other and love anyways in our own communities um, is really important. 
staff in Preemptive Love's Zarak office watch the film together as a team in the small studio we use for recording these podcast episodes. We were joined by some staff from our tech hub next door. Most of us in the room have lived through war, and some are refugees who relived the war as images from the film flashed on the screen. There were tears, but there was also an intense sense of hope by the end of the film, an experience that didn't end with the final credits. The next day, those Tech Cub staff showed the film to their students, and soon after, they recreated the feast shown in the film, inviting each other and all their varying lived experiences to the table. So what does it look like to love anyway in our own communities? What does it look like to end war in our own hearts and in our own neighborhoods? No two contexts are completely alike, and yet could pursuing peace be the thread that brings us together? We believe there's a way to heal all that's tearing us apart so we can all rise together. Join us. Go to loveanyway.com to watch the film for yourself now. We'll continue to tease out these ideas of loving anyway and ending war throughout the fourth season of the Love Anyway podcast. Haven't had a chance to listen to past episodes? Season one is an immersive introduction to the behind the scenes stories of preemptive love. And season two dives into what Love Anyway looks like in relation to the children in our lives. And remember, subscribing is a free and easy way to stay connected. Show notes for this episode and all others are available 24-7 at preemptivelove.org podcast. And don't forget, loveanyway.com has all you need to stream the new Love Anyway film for free. Until next time, I'm Erin Wilson, and this is the Love Anyway podcast. Thanks for listening. Love Anyway is a podcast by Preemptive Love. It's written and produced by Kayla Craig, Ben Irwin, and Aaron Wilson. Sean Gabrielson is our audio editor. Skip Matheny is Preemptive Love's director of digital. Executive producers are Jeremy Courtney, Jessica Courtney, and J.R. Purcell. Special thanks to Ricky Kramer and Dane Barnett. Our theme music is by Roman Candle. Join us now for our Love Anyway virtual tour. Starting April 9th, we're hosting five online interactive events with Preemptive Love founders Jeremy and Jessica Courtney. Free tickets are available now, but space is limited. So go to loveanyway.com slash tour. That's loveanyway.com slash tour to register and reserve your spot. We're even lining up some special guests. Space is limited. Book your seat now.